Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I am your host, Sarah Jolly Jarvis, and I am here today with Leah Butler-Smith, who is a change work specialist. Basically, um, Leah sorts out people's heads, um, including my own, um, to help us be more productive, more efficient, and basically get out of our own way um, if we want to. So um, <laughs> so over to Leah. I'm just going to let you do a little bit of an intro. Um, and what, going, what we're going to talk about then is... Uh, mindset for sales so getting your head in the right place um to help you get out of your own way and and sell yourself more so leah if you want to do a little bit more on on your background and and what you do that would be fab so yes obviously we do know each other very well so this is funny to uh, have to refine what i'm saying but i am an nlp trainer and so i have taught groups of people in sales teaching them how to influence people in a positive way reassuring people that you can't make someone buy something that's not actually useful or worth them having because obviously NLP has had that sort of um, negative side over the years that you can force people to do things against their will which is absolutely crazy no because we'd all be very very wealthy if that was the case because we just get everyone to pay us millions of dollars every time we want to um, sell them our services but so I've been doing that for two decades and I'm also a therapist. So I work with people one-to-one, but I use a number of techniques that aren't standard therapy. So it's a lot more, it's what you call rapid, rapid change work, helping people to get to the root cause of what it is that's really causing them their limitations in life. So whether the limitations are about their own personal self-esteem or the things that they want to achieve. Uh, that's what we actually uh, work on. But also, you know, I do dive into helping people with trauma and anxiety and depression and various other things, which are life limiting. So sometimes mm-hmm. I work with entrepreneurs, I work with people in corporate settings, people who work uh, and to own their own businesses, to help them to become more to have more to to enjoy more success in whatever area of life it is that they need to focus on because I'm very much when I talk to people around these sorts of things because you know I've I've referred people to yourself and and other people regarding um you know mindset and getting their head in the right place I think there is a massive magnifying glass put on your own um restrictions and your own issues when you are in in business because that business is you you are the business and and you know it's not a normal situation is it because you're having to be everything for the business and so if you do have an area where you do have problems that are holding you back, procrastination being a big issue that I tend to come across with people, um, you know, in a in a normal environment that can be you have a team around you and that can they can kind of counterbalance that. Whereas if you're having an off day in your business and your business is you, then the business has an off day, isn't it? Mm, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing uh, with some of the trainings that I've done in corporate business I sometimes get invited in to sit with the entire senior team you know the whole CEO panel um, a lot of them and they want to talk about what it is that my services can do for their staff and how we can actually promote their confidence self-esteem self-belief in doing their job whatever their job might be and you know to convince them or to sell the service that I'm selling to them 
uh, is just as difficult as if I was selling it to one person because they've all got their own opinions. But what they fail to sometimes realise, in fact, a, a, a what was he, HR, um, he was the boss of the HR for this very large company. And we, what they were actually bringing me in on that time to do, because I was hired for a number of different uh courses and various workshops and trainings that I did and that time we were talking about stress and he folded his arms leant back in the chair and said I don't know that I agree with this stress thing (laughs) which I thought was very strange for someone who's in human resources to to not really understand that and what I had to explain to them then was that we don't detach our life and our thinking and our emotions every time we go to work. So whether you're working in your own office or whether you're working in someone else's business, you don't disconnect from what's going on in your own experiences, in your own life. Mm -hmm. And if you do have some self-esteem, well, where stress is concerned, if you have, and running your own business is stressful because you are spinning many plates. But if you are feeling stressed out about, you know, the kids or something's going on in life that's challenging and you then have to go into your business and start working on um, a a funnel that you're building or a new product that you're coming up with or whatever it can be really difficult to actually focus but it can actually the flip side of that is be one of the healthiest things you can actually do because if you can zone out all of the things that are distracting and all the things that are worrying and zone in and we call that flow state Uh, Mm. which to some people slightly mystical but it really isn't it is literally the ability to completely it's almost like distorting reality you stop thinking about everything else but the thing that you're focusing on so you Mm. could be sitting on a surfboard in the middle of the ocean in flow state and just enjoying absolute peace and tranquility or you could be working on a funnel a sales funnel and just be completely obsessed I suppose you could say but in a really positive way and with a really good vibe, with a really powerful motivation. And, yeah. you know, talking about what, what it is that gets in the way of people really feeling confident about presenting their services or their products is that they're not thinking about it the right way. If they won't put the price up or have the right price for their product, then they don't really believe in what they're selling or they haven't challenged that thought. And it, that can be... All you need to do sometimes is just sit with what it is you are selling and then say, if, do I value that? Would that help me? Would that make a difference mm-hmm. to my life? Or wh- whose life could it actually change? In what way is it going to change it? And, you know, if you're selling accounting services, for example, that might seem like a, you know, boring thing to talk about but nevertheless it's going to change someone else's life because you're going to save them time you might be saving them money you're going to give them a lot more confidence about what they're able to to do in their business and how they can grow their business you become someone that they can bounce ideas off and have that level of of understanding so you you could almost sort of suggest in some ways there's a bit of coaching going on when you're an accountant you're working directly with someone so it's having that level of value and you can expand that beyond just the accounting service and the fact that that's again saving them money or doing a task that they don't have the knowledge or the experience or the time to do and then realizing that just if you just took time and you said okay then that person now has more time what does that mean to them well it means that they may have more time for themselves they might be able to go and do exercise or spend time with their children or 
do something else in their business that helps to grow it even bigger um, because you've given them that gift. So, and obviously it's not a gift because they're paying you for it. But if you allow yourself to really unravel what that is that you're giving and what it means to that person and how it's going to change their life, then suddenly it can start to elevate how important it actually is and how worthy um, that service might be for then charging the right kind of price. And you do need to sort of look and see if like, if you're the, the if there's another 10 people offering the same service as you, what's different about you? What makes you special? What makes you worth what you're prepared to charge? But don't charge less, you know, don't compete down uh, because yeah. that's, a, I mean, that is, there's a very strong psychology in how we present things and how people, what, why people believe or perceive that something's worth more money. So you've only got to look at handbags. You know, a handbag is a handbag is a handbag. We all know that. And men don't get why we want to spend 10 grand on a handbag or why we'd love to have the 10 grand handbag. And it isn't, it's not necessarily about the usefulness. It's not how useful that particular product actually is. It's about how we feel ourselves by owning it because yeah. we own it. It's what that means. So the meaning that we give to the things that we're selling can completely change the way that we sell it and how we, we feel about what we charge. Yeah. Because I think, you know, a, a, a big thing here is when people are selling their own services. So lots of people that I work with who sell them, you know, they're selling themselves, they're selling their own skill. And I think that's when they can really come across struggling with their own you know, I suppose really it comes down to the self-belief and the, you know, the value of what they do themselves. I think, you know, a lot more um, women tend to struggle around price and asking for what they're worth um, than men. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that is? It is actually, uh, you. but there's a sort of debate. In fact, there's a fabulous number of TED Talks on that very topic about why women find it more difficult to put themselves first so in lots of examples they'll they'll talk about business meetings and the men will be the first ones to put their hands up the first ones to step forward the first ones to offer what they believe and think and the women are mm, mm, you know sort of gently trying to raise their finger and trying to get a bit of attention and then ooh, very quickly can uh, become reserved again now that's not true of every woman clearly but it no. does require a very different sort of thought process. You've got to think differently, not think like a man, just think the way that a man is able to think inherently, naturally, because they are charged from birth. They do, you know, there's a lot of that sort of um, evolutionary stuff in the way that we do think and the way that we are acting. But also culturally, we have kind of conditioned girls to behave and think one way and boys to behave and think another way and we haven't done it on purpose or so let's just keep all the girls in the kitchen and make sure that they think their entire role in life is to make babies and be a good homekeeper we haven't deliberately done that and certainly every decade there's less and less and less of that kind of psychological conditioning but men are still hunter-gatherers that is a very natural evolutionary psyche that they have and it is one of the reasons why they have slightly different behaviors so they aren't going to sit back and wait for someone else to say right you can come out on the hunt we're going to hunt today um we're not, they have to put themselves forward and that's kind of in their in their psyche whereas women they, they don't they've never been given that they weren't you know if we talk about evolution given that level of responsibility their responsibility was to make sure that the children and the family were fed and 
kept comfortable and they were sociable they were sociable and that that's also within women's nature is to be much more empathic to others not strive to be more than but to be like others so those kind of Mm -hmm. conditioned responses are within women but they're not doing themselves any favors because you know we, people do have there is that entire psychology of when something's going to work so if you are a service provider i'm a service provider that's you know, what i do and i didn't know much about sales when i started a couple of decades ago i learned about that as time went on I mean, marketing was part of my original training because obviously you know you learn how to do what you do but that doesn't necessarily mean you know how to get any clients <laughs> so <laughs> i just followed a couple of the suggestions and the next thing i know i had a column in the biggest newspaper in my county and I had never written anything for publication before in my life so it was a great step but the reason why I did it without stopping to do what a lot of the other people I trained with uh did or didn't do is because I I was driven by two things I was driven by my why my why was I either go and work night shifts in Tesco's to get the amount of money I need or I'm going to make this work because I'm so passionate about it. And I had such a strong belief and passion for the for the work that I do and how it can help people that when they'd call me every, I would say my conversion rate, you know, which I didn't even know that was what you would call it until years in, my conversion rate was very, very high. And that was because even though I charged more than all of my peers, and in some cases, three times more than what my peers were charging, I had enough confidence in the service. I was passionate about the service. The service is life changing. The service has changed my life. Therefore, it can change other people's lives. And the more clients that I saw and the more lives that I saw changing, the more passionate I became. So that made it really easy to start thinking, okay, then I because I ended up with 42 clients and that's too many. It is actually too many in a week. And that was largely because of the column and the popularity of the column. And people would just be calling because of that. So I wasn't actually even having to pay for advertising during that period. But it was because when they called and they said, you know, do you help with X? Can you have you ever worked with Y? Um, Can I ask you a question? Yes. And so I just enjoyed the conversation. And I'm just a very curious person. So I want to understand what made them call me. What is it that they have a problem with? Do I have the potential solution? And what would that look like if I presented it? So if you take that same formula and applied it to other jobs or services, it's the same thing. Is what, what motivated the person to call me in the first place? What is it they want? What do they need? How can I fit with that with that I mean I only turned one person down the whole time (laughs) and that was because he was an unfortunate pervert who had some really serious problems and his he was just I won't go into details but I think there's enough said on that uh to know that that would be why um Everyone else that ever called, um, you know, they didn't ask me the price straight away. We'd have that conversation and I'm, I'm probably there would have been a couple of people over those uh, that, that period that may have asked that question initially, uh, which always immediately would tell me that they haven't probably read my website very much or they don't really, they haven't been referred 
by someone else because but it could be that you know they genuinely just wouldn't be in a position to afford what was they what they needed but there are people mm. who prioritize you know if you, if you have a serious trauma in life that's that is fully life limiting that's going to limit your confidence your self-esteem even your thinking you know I've worked with so many people over the years who don't know themselves they don't know themselves and that they actually would use that sort of term like, I don't really know who I am and that's because they they feel like they're being incongruent in everything that they do and every communication they have. And it's because they've got those traumas sitting in their psyche. And, and until they get released, they don't really feel themselves. Um, so, you know, but again, you know, we're talking about sales confidence here. I'm just very aware that. No, I think it's great. I, the thing is, is, is that is what I say to people is, you know, until and this is what really upsets me about people jumping in your DMs. Um, I've got a serial DM jumper at the moment who um, doesn't seem to be able to take the hint. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing. They're offering up their services straight away. Um, and rather than finding out a little bit more about that person, like your services aren't for everybody. You know, if they're not open to the approaches that you do and things that you do, then that's, you know, it's not going to work for them. They're going to be fighting against what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, you need to understand where that person's at and what needs they have in order to be in a position to say, well, make recommendations really as an expert, don't you? Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's where I struggle is, is, is when people, the reason why, because I've, I've spent, you know, quite a lot of time talking to people and and explaining to them actually you don't want to approach in this way you don't want to be looking at that this is what this is a better way of doing it. it's a more efficient way of doing it um and you know you get aggravated when you feel like someone is just selling at you why do you feel aggravated when you feel sold at what's the where did the at bit come from and the at bit comes from the lack of two-way conversation um and so you know they're jumping to the conclusion they've seen you um my serial uh dm at the moment or then the consistent theme seems to be people who want to help me lose weight. Um, you know, the most efficient person who's going to help me lose this weight is a midwife. Um, you know, it's just, <laughs> but it's ridiculous. But the thing is, is they've looked at me. They've decided that I, you know, I'm their ideal customer. I could help. They could help me. And so they're jumping into my DMs. Obviously, in this scenario, it's a bit ludicrous. But um. But, you know, it just goes to show how out of touch with your ideal customer you can be. Um, and, you know, you think that they're, that, that they're ideal, but they're not on the same page as you. And until they are, um, it's an unwanted sell. And that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm rubbish at selling my service in on social media in terms of we get called, you know, tagged, come and reply to someone's put out a request. Can, does anyone know someone who uh, who can help with this? I will spend an hour chatting to them before I'd say pop over to the DMs and we'll have a talk about what I can do for you. I, I mean, I just don't do that. Um, but that's because I let the the work I do do the selling for me. So it, obviously you can't do that with every sales, um, every business that we're talking about here. But in that respect, it's it. what I'm passionate about is helping people to change their lives. And if they feel confident that I'm the right person to be able to help them do that then they'll get in touch anyway so I don't feel the need to talk, to sort of push and prod in that respect getting what you do and how you do it and how you help people out there I think is really important always it's attaching meaning to what you're doing that's one of the biggest influences that people 
are coming in for is the meaning of that particular service and how that's going to change them. Cold selling is probably one of the most challenging things mm. anyone can ever do. Um, but you that's when you get your um, your big pants on because you know that you can't know what state of mind that person who you're about to message is in. And if they've had 10 people trying to promote something to them in the last week, they're not going to be as receptive to, to you popping up in their thing, which is why you then need to be different. And being different, I still do believe, and if, even if you're ultimately going to drop them a link to a free thing or you're going to drop them a link to an article you've written or something else that you think is going to be useful, it is still really important to start off with that, let me understand you, let me understand what you need. Uh, can I ask you a question about this particular service that I offer? It, is there, you know, it, what this actually does for the companies that I've worked for. So promote yourself. That's another thing is you can promote yourself very subtly. You don't have to go barging in there and say, hey, look at me. I do all of these things. And I work with all these people. You can do it very subtly and you can sort of make it much more conversational. These companies that I've currently uh, or I've worked for before, they've said, you know, the biggest benefit of XYZ was da 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 da. So what you're actually telling them without having to sell anything is the enormous benefits the other companies who, again, that's attaching authority to um, what they've experienced. So that's like you making your own referral. You've just referred yourself to this person in a very subtle way. So there's no, you know, smacking them in the face. Now, when they read that, like I say, you can't know what's going to happen. So that's mm -hmm. where it's almost worth just kind of you've dropped that in, walk away, forget it. And you do need to do that a lot. And accepting that, you know, there's a lot more no's in the cold sales um area than there are yeses but that's fine that's just a thing that you accept um and that person might not come back to you for another week and that so that's fine and if they come back with a positive response that's when you've opened the door to a conversation and that's where you can learn more yeah. about what benefits and and how this would benefit and how it would help and just keep in mind that in selling it's not the it's not again, it's not the handbag. It's not the usefulness of the handbag. The fact that you can put things in it and carry it around. Although we women do tend to like looking at how many different zips and parts there are and compartments and things we like, all of that sort of organization, which goes right over men's heads as well. Um but it's so it's not that. It is it's how it's the meaning that it's given to us. It's how we feel about ourselves because we have that. So if you can find a way to emotionalize and give meaning to the service that you're actually pr providing and offering, mm -hmm. then that tends to bypass the critical factor. It bypasses that part that wants to put the brakes on and stop the conversation because I don't want to buy what you've got. So it, instead, you're actually talking about something that really does mean something to you. And also, again, future pacing. Whenever you future pace, it's about, what this has done does do can do for you so your mind is already now looking ahead into the future to to what that's going to feel like but you know also another thing that we've sort of spoken about is how you feel about yourself because if you don't feel good about yourself full stop it's a lot more difficult to promote what you're doing what you're selling and how how you approach that so some in some ways Again, if, if I just use the example of myself when I started, I I say this to people quite a lot. I had to put my ego to one side 
And it was easy for me to do that because the option of working nights in Tesco's, no offence, Tesco's, uh, was not as appealing as the idea that I only needed at the time to see, you know, sort of six clients a week to pay the bills, to earn as much money as I would have done from doing that every night of the, or four nights a week at uh, Tesco. Yeah. So, and I keep mentioning Tesco because that's where my friend at the time worked. And she said, oh, if you need a job, I can get you one rather, rather up. And I looked at how much the income was. And then I thought, well, how many clients do I actually need to see in a month to have that same income? Um, And I mean, I surpassed that in, I think, six weeks. Within six weeks, I was earning more than what I'd earned as an accountant in an accounting firm. Well, actually, it wasn't an accounting firm. It was a brewery. Lovely place to work, I have to say. Got free beer all the time. (laughs) But I worked in the accounts department in the commercial side. Um, which I think did, did me a lot of favours. And I was that's when I was training to be an accountant and doing some of the not very pleasant exams. I knew then that I did not want to continue doing it. And I was very, very fortunate that they were taken over by Scottish and Newcastle. And at that point, they then said, right, okay, um, we're going to move the office miles away. You have the option of accepting redundancy. Because I'd been uh, taken on at the time when they had a different kind of contract, you know, contracts over the years have changed. I got a big payout (laughs) and that payout was enough money for me to stay at home and be a mummy for long enough to sit back and go right what do I really want to do in life and then I took quite a few thousand out of that pot and put it into training in the mind because I'd had that passion for many years but it's not as though my understanding my geekness about what is the mind what is the brain what is it doing tell me about neuroscience now I love it one of my favorite subjects but I'm intrigued by all of it so my passion for it then extends to you can change you can change your life your life can be on a completely different trajectory when you get rid of this that or the other thing that's getting in the way um and you know really excel and why not why shouldn't you excel and you you will only do that really when you believe I mean I'd have had a tough time selling my accounting uh because that was the other thing that I'd considered doing was once I'd completed my exams I'd intended to take the training and become and set myself up in business I wanted to be self-employed then but I would really have struggled (laughs) I mean I probably would have found the same way to sort of sell the meaning um the emotion Mm -hmm. uh, and that uh, side of it uh, you know I can take that off your hands it, it, I make life easier for you I can help you with where you're gonna get some financial gain and this and that and the other I probably would have done that anyway but yeah no it's a hell of a lot easier to to promote something without really promoting it because you're just talking about how fabulous it yeah. it is and you're talking about how fabulous it is because you're passionate about it isn't it and I think that's the thing is, is if you turn around and you're kind of you know checking yourself and thinking well actually, I'm not sure this product is that great, or this service is that great, then you don't want to be selling that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a real opportunity to, you know, take a check and think, well, okay, what, what should I be doing instead, because this clearly isn't, isn't the right thing for me. And it's not the fact that, you know, accounting isn't a great thing, but it's just not your passion. And I think that's the thing is, is, you know, what you're selling, if you're finding it very difficult to sell something, is that, you or is it the product you know it's a relationship thing is it you know is it just the fact that it's a good product but you just don't relate to it in the same way I've had people who I've spoken to and I've you know I've said actually you're better off going off and looking at this um I I really struggle to um to work with people in a um, MLM setting 
um, because I'm not bought into the concept. I don't agree with the, the approach that the companies tend to have who are getting people to sell for them. Um, and I don't I'm not a fan of building up somebody else's empire when you have very little control over what could happen. So you can go out, you can build your business on it. Um, you know, you can build your livelihood and income based on the income you're getting from that organization. And it can so quickly be taken away. I think you're much better to build your own brand. And so those are the conversations I've had with people who've wanted to work with me. Um, and so, you know, personally, from my point of view, I know that I can't give my best into something that I'm not fully bought into. And so at that stage, you are better putting your hands up. But if you are, Leah, really into what you do, um, but the thought of having the sales conversations totally freaks you out, what would be your tips for getting your head in the right place to have those conversations that you need to have? Well, I would suggest that, you know, with yourself, just like when you're working with clients, is to ask the question, so what is the real problem? What is it that you're really, what, what is the break? Where is this break coming from? What is it, what, what, where is this pedal being pushed down to say, I'm not going forwards, I can't go forwards, I won't do it. So what's the real problem? So if, for example, it's, um, I, I feel embarrassed, I feel embarrassed about, trying to talk to this person about you know promoting what I'm selling right okay then so if you weren't embarrassed if you could take embarrassment out of that equation what would you be then doing that would be different so you're starting just to make an imaginary picture of yourself doing the thing that you know you really want to do but you've taken the embarrassment out of it now obviously the, the flip side of that is to put something else in instead so tell me something you've done that you're confident doing what is it? And sometimes people, if they're, you know, sometimes that's why you've got to do what they call a pattern interrupt. You've got to interrupt them, get them out of the negative state because they've been fixating on how embarrassing it is and how uncomfortable they feel and they don't have enough self-esteem and rah, 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 rah. So get them out of that, you know, jump up and down, do something different. Think of a pink elephant, clear the slate in your brain. Right now, tell me about something you do where you do feel confident so it could be something to do with parenting it might be something that they do sports wise it could be uh, a person that they communicate with that they do so and always feel very confident when they're doing it and then get them to really build on that state and and think remember what it feels like you know because the mind is is metaphorical in so many ways so you can just think about what it feels like in their body how they stand when they're confident, what does their voice sound like when they're confident? And just a very simple little exercise is actually just to say, where's the voice in your head? You know, if you close your eyes and just listen to the voice inside your head that's very negative, where is it? And then identify where it is. And never in my decades of doing what I do have people not been able to find it. So let's say, for example, it's over here on the left hand side, round the back of my head. Now, that sounds like a very strange thing to do, but it's identifying that it's a voice that's inside your head, but it's not the voice. It's not your only voice. Okay, there's a where's the voice. When you get in touch with that confident you, the one that's much more relaxed and talking to people, you know, you could be talking to your friends, you might be talking to the lady in the shop, it could be your hairdresser, anyone. But when you talk to them, you do so with confidence because you have an absence of anything else. Mm -hmm. So where's the voice in your head when you're talking to that person? And what does that feel like? And then, oh, yeah, no, it's actually at the front um, on the right hand side. So then now they immediately know that there's a very different tone. There's a very different sound. There's a very different feeling that comes from those two identities almost. It's still you, 
but you're activating one or the other. So you can quite deliberately now, now that you know where it is and you know what it sounds like and you definitely know how it feels, you can use that voice to practice. Now, this is also how important, uh, you know, visualization and things like that are, is when you practice coming from the place of confidence and you run that movie through your mind of being able to interact with your potential client and you start to use that voice. And that's the only voice that you use. What you're doing is conditioning yourself. So effectively in the brain, you're creating a new neural network of confidence and images of things to do with selling and feeling good about yourself and actually projecting that into the future. And then imagine doing it another 10 times with 10 different people. And then imagine, right, you've been doing that for the last two weeks. Every time you've spoken with someone, you've checked into that confident voice, you've used that voice, that calm state, and now you've practiced it so much that two weeks in, how easy is it for you to now do that automatically and not having to even think about it anymore? And that's important to remember that sort of um, simile of, of driving. Most people do drive and you know that when you first start and you get in that driving seat, you're nervous and you don't know what to do. And the driving instructor says, well, you've got to put your seatbelt on, you've got to adjust the mirrors, adjust the seat, get into the right position. And then right now we're going to start driving and it's blooming terrifying when you start. And you think, how am I ever going to remember to do this and <laughs> the indicator and the gears and the you know accelerator and get the bite and all this kind of thing you just whoa it's never gonna happen well now a you don't think about any of those things and b you can drive anywhere in a trance people drive all sorts of places that are familiar so the autopilot in the brain goes into uh you know like i say turns on the autopilot it's driving you because you set the destination in your head and that's what your brain is so you can be off on a tangent thinking about all sorts of things but not thinking about the road and it will only require for something to happen in the periphery so that a light you know traffic lights are going orange so then that will act, reactivate take you out of trance state reactivate conscious thinking awareness bring you up into a an alpha state of brain activity so that now you know you've got to take some action so that requires frontal cortex activity you've got to think about what's happening now so exactly the same thing is true for any change of state and change of behavior that we want to initiate. So, because you start off as unconsciously incompetent, and that's what you are when you're a baby, you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. So you don't know that you're incompetent. <laughs> and then you reach the point of becoming consciously incompetent. So that's when you start watching other people walking and you're thinking, oh, I'd really like to be able to do that walking thing, but I'm incompetent. I don't actually know how to do it. But even whilst you're watching, you're learning, your brain is programming that information in so it knows how the legs move, how the person stands, et cetera, et cetera. Then you start to do it. So babies, they start to pull themselves up. They start to, to move their legs. They start to do this walking thing and they stop being um, incompetent. They become consciously competent because they're still having to consciously think about what they're doing as they're walking about and holding onto things and getting their balance and really getting a feel for it. Now, us, we are what we call unconsciously competent because now it sits in the unconscious. So we don't ever have to think about walking again. It's already programmed in. It's a natural thing that we do. We don't have to worry about it anymore. And that's the same with driving. That's the same with most things that we've learned to do. You move through that process with everything that's different to what it was. Same thing's true of sales confidence. You start off 
I would say you are not unconsciously incompetent, you're consciously incompetent because you know you can't do it. You know that there's something you want to do that other people seem to be able to do. And if only you had what they have, you could do it. And that's another strategy that I use in my work is to borrow from someone else. We call it positive hallucination. So you actually think about somebody who does it. What do they do? How do they do it? Um, you know, you run a few movies of them. Usually we do this in a, a more of a sort of theta brainwave activity, a bit more relaxed. Think about them. Think about how they act, what they, what they sound like. And you're watching them. So you're watching these movies. You're what we call distanced. <laughs> I hate that word at the moment. But you're, you're not um, fully associated with them. You're just an observer. So you're dissociated. Now, in terms of the brain and how it learns, if you're dissociated as an observer, you will eventually learn what you need to learn, but you're not really experiencing it. So what we do is this positive hallucination gets you to flow into the person who has this gift of being very confident, the way they move, the way they carry themselves, the way they sound, the words that they're using and the way that they come across very congruent in their belief about whatever it is they're talking about, they're, they're selling or doing. And then you flow into them and now you're associated. So that starts to engage a different program. So now we're programming in what it looks like through my eyes, what it looks like to uh, as I move, how I carry myself, what my body feels like, how I physically move. And you can actually do this as an exercise in front of the mirror. And you can actually, you know, close your eyes and then imagine you are now in the shoes of this person. You are experiencing what they see, think, feel, hear. Where's the tone of voice in their head? How does that sound? What kind of words do they use to give themselves that confidence? And, you know, when you say that to someone, it's really interesting to observe how they suddenly have a light bulb moment, because what they suddenly realize is, that that person doesn't use the negative tone of voice, they wouldn't be able to be confident. They don't use the words that they've been using in their head to convince themselves that they're not good enough, they can't do it, it's not possible. They're not doing any of those things because it wouldn't work. They wouldn't be able to be that confident to do what they're doing. So they start to run that program. So now you've got what we call a new neural experience in the brain that has added all of the sensory parts which are very important to make something really effective and then you can they can imagine practicing something as this person so they're still in this person's shoes what is it they want to imagine doing having a telephone conversation is it going to be actually face-to-face meeting but they're not doing it themselves because that old them was a bit anxious so it's now this person who's doing it for them and so they they've got rid of all of their own rubbish and anxiety they're just using this person so then they're learning again more learning more connections in the brain more networking going on and they're wiring in this new experience and so the more that feels good the more that feels enjoyable the more natural it starts to become the more quickly that starts to be programmed in so rapid change rapid change rapid change now the brain didn't have an example of doing it before that's where you got stuck So now that you have this example of how it looks, sounds, feels, what then happens as a result of that, how can you now, what, you know, what's going to happen when you've done this 50 times, you're going to just be flying or even just five times. Mm -hmm. And I think I've said it to you before that um, we've had a, a track record of working with people who have a driving test fail. (laughs) You know, you're talking about people who may have done 14 driving tests and even more we've worked 
uh, with people who've done that over the years. And they're still determined. They, they know inherently that it's possible to do that and to pass because other people have. Same with sales confidence. They, you just know. You, it can be done because other people are doing it and they're doing it really well and they're charging more money. So I've got the evidence there. So I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And so with the driving test example is when you do what they've got a program of is how to fail. They know exactly what they think before they get ready for the driving test. They know exactly how they feel. They know exactly what they're imagining in their mind, which is a form of programming. And they know the outcome is failure and how devastating that actually feels and frustrating. So what we do is present them with the alternative. So now they run a program of passing their driving test. So we do all of the state management stuff first, set it up first. Now you've got the right state. You think the right way, you feel the right way. Now let's attach that to the driving test. Now you're going into the driving test and you're, you know, what's happening now? And they run that whole movie through and we do it a number of times and we have a 100% track record for, for pass after that because they just didn't have the right program running for what they wanted. And then when they run that program, voila, just like magic. <laughs> it, it, it really is that whole, if you know, if you, if you always do what you've always done, then you're going to get the same outcome. You know, it's, it's, it's really that, isn't it? Is, is If you run your head through the same thing, it, it goes through the same process. Um, yeah. Whereas if you change that process, then, then that's when you can get those results. Yeah, well, because we're habit forming creatures and we tend to, as the neuroscientists have been able to expose, we repeat roughly 80% of our thoughts today are the same as the thoughts that we pretty much had yesterday. So change is really easy, but we have to identify what we want to change and then we just need the strategy for implementing it. And changing ourselves is just as easy as changing the bed. But you just need to know how to do it. Well, that is. <laughs> and, and you know how. So if people wanted to find out more from you um, about what you do, then how can they how can they get in touch? How can they find out more? Uh, well, the main practice website, because I've got a number of websites, but a couple of them I'm doing quite a lot of work on. So I won't talk about them at the moment. But the practice website is enhancedlifepractice.com. And they can find out more about you and how to get in touch with you from there. Yeah, there's there's lots of stuff on there, but it doesn't have the blog. I'm building the blog somewhere else, which sounds like a stupid idea. But <laughs> <laughs> it's because the blog is going to feed out to my academy and my I'm going to I'm going to have a podcast. I, I keep saying it for a year, but <laughs> I'm going to do that as well. So the other website will have the blog and all of those other bits and pieces will also link back to the practice. But for now, yeah, that's where, you know, you can find out information about a number of different uh, problems that people have, the sorts of things that we might do to to change that and uh, case examples lots of uh, testimonials which again is another thing that for many many years I didn't bother to collect any (laughs) not terribly sensible but I I mean you know I took it for granted because I didn't need I I had enough clients I didn't ever need to but it's really just as websites have become the main port of call if you like that's where a person wants to go and find out what they need to find out and decide if they're going to get in touch, which again, you know, I can be really lazy because most people don't come via my website. Most people come via personal messaging and things like that. So, but, but you never know where they might come. If that, how many might come? No. Like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, my one of my passions at the moment is to initiate some group trainings and things like that for people who don't have the money to spend on single sessions, but would benefit enormously from uh, group work in either training, uh, you know, yeah. on a very specific subject, like people who want to get motivation for losing weight or get more motivation to exercise or get more confident in some area of their life or, you know, get rid of a phobia. Um, there's, it's possible to do quite a few things in group settings, which then minimizes the cost to the individual. And it is something I'm quite passionate about. In fact, one of the things I'm very passionate about is helping the women who have babies, people having babies and having lots of confidence and being very much in control of how they feel when they're having their baby. So you're very much around the accessibility, really, and and trying to make it as accessible as possible for people to. Yeah, that's that's the direction that I want things to go in. And that's and, you know, because I just love talking to people. So I'd be very happy to do the podcast. But I think the reason why it hasn't quite come to fruition is because I am a bit lazy on the tech. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it has its moments. Yeah, the behind the scenes on the podcast is... um, would be interesting to uh, <laughs> to see some of the scenarios I've had to go through, but um, yeah. yeah, I think the first time I edited my own took me four hours, and it was mainly down to my inability to find a specific button, um, and um, and it was so simple that there wasn't anybody doing a YouTube video on it because it was so simple nobody else asked. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> that's when you should make a youtube video <laughs> so now i should actually shouldn't i i should make a youtube video on that stupid question so that in case other people just like me don't know that element mm. then they would <laughs> but thank you yeah. very much leah for your time um it's been lovely as ever to talk to you and um yeah if you do want any more information then please do head over to leah's website thanks for listening guys take care bye bye Thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening from to leave us a review. It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.